No, the the whole extraterrestrial thing is not uh, not a viable solution to this. We we need to go through a turning point in the study of of this whole domain, away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by you know aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that the um, that this that this phenomenon is um, comes from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information, and the fact that it can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information. Are we uh, go conditioned here? Yes. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso? Ooh, all of them yeah. answered at the same time. Yeah, I just have to turn down my um, record level on my uh, recorder. Yeah, I, usually, I do two I'm recordings. Chewing, I'm chewing. If you can hear me chewing, it's probably a bad thing. Yeah, I probably. Can hear you chewing. Are you chewing? Damn it. Son of a bitch. Fine, then. I, Mr. Cutchin, take that, whatever that is, out of your mouth. <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll take a drink here, too. All right. Um, we have right now. I don't think anybody's listening, but I'm going to I'm going to post this right away. Uh, oh, there is a listener. Hello, listener. Okay, so that'll build up as time goes. What happened was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on with um, Michael, Josh, and Soraya on where did the road go, and we got into a very uh, in what's the word involved discussion about what. Um, UFO researchers or even paranormal researchers might be doing to push their luck, uh, create <laughs> create something that might uh, that, that that might have a reaction, and that I don't know if we talked about it when we were on the show at that time, but that, that's the first thing, uh, one of the first things that was ever done by Al Bender when they did the calling occupants uh, 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 experiment. I think a simpler way to put it is be proactive. <laughs> like I think that's. That's yeah, but a, you know the the point of the well, we can talk about anything. I mean, I just I just saw a set of um, 
of uh, tarot cards that were based on Twin Peaks that I'm just about peeing myself over. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I saw those too. God, they're amazing. I already ordered mine, so. Oh, nice. Well, Mike hates Twin Peaks and tarot, so good luck getting him to talk about that. <laughs> well, he can make fun of it while we talk about it. But anyway, yeah, proactive. No, I, I, he's, he's being silly. I, that happens to Super be facetious. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, okay. Proactive is probably a good word for it. And the, the, the main thing is that um, I think that people are scared of it. And unfortunately, the kind of people that aren't scared of it might be kind of wacko. So, you know, <laughs> I think what we're looking for is somebody with that are, who are well-grounded yet can do crazy things and, and entertain more than one, you know, uh, paradigm at once or none at all. And um, that's a rare combination of traits, I think. I don't even know, you know, I don't really know anybody that has those traits strongly. I I don't know. I guess Robert Anton Wilson might have, Alistair Crowley might have, even Jacques Vallée might. I have no idea. But um, strangely enough, he's the one that pushed it where I saw this quote with uh, in the interview. And I think we mentioned this on the uh, last show, the interview with mm-hmm. um, Jerome Clark in the 1970s, late 70s for Fate, I think, for Fate magazine. And he said, I yeah. think uh, UFO researchers should get involved with the with the phenomenon somehow and um, Clark was saying, well, doesn't that invite, you know, craziness and mental instability and all kinds of things? And Valet said, well, yeah, it does. But, you know, we should let that stop us. That was basically his answer. <laughs> and I think yeah. and, and Clark was horrified. <laughs> there might not be that widespread horror at this point, but it's still probably, at least among the rank and file, it's probably like, what are you, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of wackos? We need to use science. Science is going to save us. No, it's not. A combination of science and other things are going to save us. Um, that's what I think, anyway. Yeah. I, I have the, uh, the, the excerpt from that magazine because I, I wrote an article uh, under my nom de plume back in the day in the 90s, Usenet, that era. Yeah. Um, I, call, I called it Attempted Manipulation of UFO Manifestations because hmm. that's what, that's what Valet called it. Uh, he was uh, talking to Jerry Clark, and Clark yeah. said... Uh, um, well, Valet says, I think that's exactly what we have to do with UFOs. We have to do something that will cause them to react. And I don't mean building landing strips in the desert and waiting out there to welcome the Space Brothers. And Clark says, but what do you mean? Huh. And Valet says, I hesitate to be too specific. I'm speaking, as I'm sure you understand, of the attempted man- manipulation of UFO manifestations. And later yeah. in that same that same interview, he says, um, Valet says, there are certainly occult groups that claim they can invoke or evoke beings that do some of the things that UFO entities do. I've looked, I've contacted a number of those groups. And, and I was uh, actually, go ahead. Sorry. I was actually going to make that point. I mean, we may be talking about UFOs, but in a sense, if what people who practice magic and the occult are contacting may be the same entities. Aren't they just basically doing that? It's just under a different guise. Certainly possible. Yeah. 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 They could be, um, it, it, well, the, the point is here that, um, one of the points is that there are many ways to, Hmm. Maybe that's not that's not the tack I want. The tack is the thing is so intimately connected with us and what we think and how we think and affected by how we think, at least that's what I believe at the moment, that 
if we change our way we look at it um, and way we think of it is not an external thing, or as, but more as something that can be communicated with or part of us or whatever you want to call it, um, that that you know that simple change of you know changing your station or your tuning of your brain um might be whatever the thing is you know might be more on its wavelength and i do think there's an external thing a thing that's not us that's that's there um and people have been calling it different things for for hundreds of years and magicians call it one thing and and uh esoteric uh, practitioners of religions call it another thing and you know, and I think you guys agree with me on that. But um, yes, no, yeah, go ahead, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I quite like the idea of like the uh, and I'm not this is not original to me, but like I quite like the idea of the oceanographer or the of uh, the uh, marine biologist studying the shark. Like you can study shark attacks all you want to, but at some point you need to get in a cage and you need to chum the waters. And I think that is something that we're all sort of alluding to, regardless of what you want to call it. I think that there is an obligation on the part of the vanguard of uh ufology to try to engage with these things um not saying that i'm that person but (laughs) because i'm still terrified enough but there there are people who are dedicated enough to 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 want to get into the shark the shark cage yeah well i think they should get in the shark cage and you know it's i think for a decent result you cannot be in a cage and that's the probably disheartening Mm -hmm. not disheartening that's probably the um, uh, brave soul part <laughs> because maybe, I, maybe go ahead. Maybe you makes should sense. be within that makes sense. You're, you're the self self bait, right? Yeah, maybe you should be within a circle, if not a cage. Yeah, um, maybe something <laughs> like that. I I have over the years I have talked to people who have done this kind of thing, and some of them have come very close to um, disconnecting from our reality and not having an easy time of it. Sure. That's the dangerous part. Sure. Um, because they start... In fact, somebody described it to me once, and it sounded exactly like the uh, Aleister Crowley um, uh, lamb meditation, where he sa- he told me that it seems like I'm looking at me or at our reality from the eyes of something that isn't us. And it really freaked him out. Mm -hmm. It took him a few months to get to that point, but you know, it's, you know, how do you shut that off after it's already, you know? (laughs) So that's the part. And, and and eventually he was fine. I mean, he just, you know, he got involved with uh, things in his life and in on this part of existence or whatever you want to call it. And he was basically fine, but you know, I've seen that more than once where people get kind of wonky when they try to do some of this stuff. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for borrowing from uh, occult uh, practice. Um, there's also a lot to be said for uh, by about knowing um, human psychology and your psychology, really. And, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and also keeping as much as possible, you know, some kind of weird-ass Zen detachment from it as it's happening. I, I don't know if that'll make, that'll screw it up, though, you know? Can you be subjective and objective at the same time? Do you want to be objective or do you want to be completely subjective and really get close to or probably drive yourself nuts? That, that's kind of how I see it. <laughs> well, Soraya, as someone who has shark bait written all over him, would you like to, you to, to respond? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, John. <laughs> you, you you lather up with fish heads before you get in the water. I mean, we'll it's, just call him <laughs> the human the human chum. So yeah, yeah. 
Chum, um, chumming for aliens. What, what I was going to say is I, I think the phenomena and, re- and really reality itself is just kind of a, it's kind of a feedback mechanism. And I think that whether or not there's something out there is really hard to tell because so much of it comes from us. And it could be there's something there and it's just taking its form from us. But it seems like, you know, when you look at like synchroni- synchronicities and things like that, Right down, you know, the, the the more esoteric you get, the more obvious the feedback loop is. But I think just with everyday life, there's a feedback loop that people just don't notice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the feedback is is being checked and rechecked by your subconscious before it gets to your conscious, and it's saying, "Hey, right. everything's okay." The minute something's not okay, it starts it starts um, painting wonderful pictures so that it, everything is generally okay. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But but even I, I think just the way that re- that reality forms around us becomes kind of a feedback loop. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think well, so I, too. Go ahead. You know, I, I was going to say. I mean, having I've told this story a bunch of times, so I won't go into it again. But um, but my my major sighting experience in my life, I I essentially s- summoned or asked to see something in the sky. And my girlfriend was with me, so this wasn't a subjective experience. She's the one that saw the two lights that started moving around and then shot across the sky after, you know, this was minutes after me looking up at the stars on the beach and mentally saying, okay, if you're out there, show yourselves. So that, that's, that's what caused me to, to become so fixated on, on this particular aspect uh, of of this subject, and that's why I wrote that piece about Valet and the attempted manipulation of these things. That said, I'm deeply interested in trying to do it again. But as I as I've mentioned to you guys before, when I find myself out in the middle of the woods alone <laughs> on a dark night, <laughs> suddenly I I think maybe that's not such a great idea anymore. And Andy, well, Greg, good. you mentioned the fear aspect, and you know there's something. Terrible. There's something really terrifying about uh, about asking to see something and then having something literally show up. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, so see, maybe, the, the fear would maybe come with some from other people. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that maybe with you know, if this was done in more of a group setting, um, it, it might be a little less terrifying than, than going it alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Whitley Strieber. So. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I guess it takes a really uh, 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 singular type of person to be able to just go and, and go it alone. Um, people have done it. They can do it. Uh, I think part of it might be that um, not that uh, I guess the detachments thing. But you said, you know, Michael, right. You said that um, you thought of something and then it happened. Um, yeah. Maybe if you don't think that an external thing is reacting to you and more like. It's something that was there anyway, and you just retuned yourself, and it just it you know the reality adjusted to your retuning, um, mm-hmm. you know. It, anyway, just you know, giving it some sort of a um, model that doesn't freak you out, you know what I mean, <laughs> as you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, might be part of it. I mean, see, with, with me, you know, I, I was practicing magic, but I was also studying UFOs and had no no idea they were connected in any way. Until uh, I read something by Streber and I started going, wait a minute, I've had all these experiences, but there were no UFOs involved. Right, right. 
and and I was I've always been the type of person to dive right in, like without using necessarily circles and things like that, because <laughs> I didn't necessarily believe anything was going to happen. So I figured I wanted to give it its best shot at happening. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and and then what does happen? You you know that's like we were saying before. That's where that's where the detachment comes in and you can sit there hopefully and say, well, that's fascinating or interesting and not go, ah, you know, because I think if, well, you, yeah. if you do that, it might shut it off or turn it into something that really is scary. Uh, because Absolutely. at that point, I think there's a feedback going, a very strong, yes. quick, subconscious feedback. I would agree with that completely. Yeah. It's whenever, when, when you get the, the realization when you get the confirmation to use another Streber uh, <laughs> word um, when you get the confirmation Fine. that this stuff is real when you get the when you first do a magical ritual and either something manifests or something happens afterward that is just an absolute unequivocal um, unequivocal confirmation that something something you may have thought may have been real. So then you realize it's real. That's, that's a big life changer. That's sort of an initiatory yeah. moment, I think, you know, and, uh, it's a tiny chapel that, perilous. That, that, yes, yes, exactly. I, I, and I think you're right. I think you have to try to keep the, a, a kind of emotional and intellectual distance, but honestly, it's difficult sometimes, you yeah. know, it, 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 I guess, depending upon, What's actually happening when those lights started doing crazy things in the sky? I, I've never, I haven't been the same. I, 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 I've spent all of my life since then trying to figure out how my consciousness is connected to these things. Yeah. And Greg, you, you brought up the when we were talking the last time the Philip experiment. And I think yes. that's a really fa- fascinating lens to to look at this idea through. Yes. Yeah, if people don't know, if you didn't hear the other show or whatever, The Conjuring Up Philip is a book from 1978 or something like that. I got the book right here. Wait. Uh, Right on top of my copy of The Magical Revival by Kenneth Grant. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I've been reading up on this a bit. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, 1976. Um, In the mid-1970s, a group in Toronto, I believe it was, a paranormal group, said, um, let's try an experiment. Let us um, make up someone, a completely fictional character, but let us be absolutely specific about what he looks like. So they drew a picture of him. They they said he lived in, you know, 1720-something. His name was Philip something or other. Um, oh, here it is. I, t- I opened the book trying to look for the thing, for, for the description, and the page fell open to the one I needed. <laughs> Philip... <laughs> was an aristocratic Englishman living in the middle 1600s at the time of Oliver Cromwell. He had been a supporter of the king and was a Catholic. He was married to a beautiful but cold and frigid wife, Dorothea, the daughter of a neighboring nobleman. One day, when out riding on the boundaries of his estates, he came upon a gypsy encampment and blah, 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 blah. So th- th- this, is a, um, um, this was a complete invention by this group. And so after they had this all firmly fixed in their minds, they started doing um, seances to contact Philip. And of course, you know, Philip came out and, you know, you know, if you're a, um, uh, what's the word? If you're a, a, um, 
a materialistic skeptic, you would say, well, of course, that's what happened because they all primed themselves and it was, you know, um, something that they expected anyway. And that's what was happening. They were deluding themselves, which is fine. It could be true. What isn't um, that doesn't fit in with that is weird stuff started happening, like poltergeist phenomena, tables moving, stuff happening in, in people's houses. They demonstrated this in a TV studio. So apparently... Um, they were able to conjure something at conjuring up, conjure something up that they had completely made up and it started responding mm -hmm. to them as a, you know, as a, like a, um, a simulacra or not a simulacra, what's the word, a golem or something like that, but something that they create a tulpa. They basically, tulpa, yes. yeah, they basically mm -hmm. created a tulpa, not a, not an yeah. incarnate tulpa that walked around and did things, but mm -hmm. it, it, um, had apparently physical effects and so this is, um, you know, vitally interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. And does that mean that they made something up so that, you know, it, you know they created it and it called into, the, into some kind of um, psychic existence? Or did it exist before? Or was it some sort of energy that they formed into something? Was there something really called, somebody really called Philip from then that they, they somehow subconsciously picked up on? Who knows? All these questions mm -hmm. <laughs> co co uh, come up to the fore when um, you read this book and cons consider the, the circumstances that they created. Huh. And you can, yes, find, you can find the right, yeah, yes, tall. You can find video that, uh, of the of one of the seances they did on on TV. Yeah, it's fascinating. You see the table like moving across studio uh, the room towards yeah. the audience through the studio towards yeah. the audience. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's really amazing, and what I guess could be faked or whatever. But the thing is, it happens so many times. See, I, there's a point at which I get to, you know, it's like, oh, it's faked. It's like, why don't we just consider it's not for a little bit and see what happened? Uh -huh. you know, yeah. that, that's my attitude. It might have been fake, but it's more interesting to me to think that what if this really was happening and how can it be reproduced? Because it has been reproduced in various ways throughout the centuries. Yeah. Uh, I, the Tulpa concept, I think it was Alexandra David Neal that, that first talked about that. Yeah, Magic and, and Mystery in, 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 in her book, yeah, about her travels in Tibet. And, you know, she starts saying her, her companions, she didn't tell anybody she was working on this form of magic. And and other people started seeing the, the Tulpa that she was creating. I, I have another very brief story. When I was a kid, this I'm kind of outing myself if, if any of my friends from grade school are out there and they hear this <laughs> out yourself. I, I i created a, a ghost called boogman b-o-o-g-m-m-a-n i guess I, it was like a <laughs> derivative of the boogeyman or something it sounds like a 90s stoner comic the boogeyman. it does yeah the boogeyman but I, I i came up with this ghost and i started telling everybody about this ghost and he was a friend of mine and he did things and sure enough people started talking about encountering this ghost friends of mine they were not joking i mean these are these are kids I was probably about 8 9 years old or something when i was doing this and recently weird the weirdest thing i the reason why this came to mind is i found a postcard from a kid named paul who moved away from baltimore and he sent me a postcard hey i really like my new school but blah 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 he's like have you have you seen Boogman anymore? That's how years after this, when these kids nice. started getting older, they they were still talking about it. And I, I, I couldn't fess up to the fact that I originally I had started making this thing up because I felt bad. Like they might be mad at me for for, you know, 
jerking their chains for so long. But the fact that they started talking about their own encounters with this thing really freaked me out. And to this day, it you know, I was I was a kid. I had no idea what a topo was. I had no idea what any of this stuff was. I just thought it was fun to talk about a, a friendly ghost that that was my friend, you know, that hung around me and did things. But then when other people started saying, oh, yeah, this thing moved in my room and it, was, it had to be Boogman, I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? So I, I, I feel like I have, a, a, you know, some, some firsthand experience with this, too, which, which is another, um, you know, it makes me feel terrible in a way. But, it, it, but I also wonder, did, this, did, did we give, you know, our combined thinking about this ghost? Did we, did we generate something like the Philip? like entity well and and the fact that it was sort of an off-the-cuff thing and that you put some intention behind it but didn't like stress and dwell over it probably says something about why it manifested i mean i'm I'm making some assumptions about the level of thought that you put into it but you didn't like create a giant boogman mythos or anything right right i was just goofing around and if something weird would happen like something would fall over i would say oh that's him so maybe Go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you were probably um, opening the door a bit and tuning the tuner a little bit better every time you did that. Mm-hmm. You know, just just because uh, 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 you you know a conventional person would say you're giving it strength, and it's like you know what that's that's that is a bad road to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah my my great. my yeah. first reaction would be and I, like i said that the um i i just put a uh, comment up on the writing mysterioso facebook page this show is research too just sitting talking to you guys and getting throwing these ideas around is research too oh, sure absolutely. yeah absolutely but um it, it, yeah it, you know thinking of your model every time and the non-specific nature of your model might be uh, you know a good way to go about it. Instead of saying I'm giving it power, you're just saying I'm mm-hmm. I'm allowing something to happen uh, to see what happens. Instead of you know being scared of this thing that might because yeah you know, your expectations are really going to steer where this thing goes. So it's a really weird mm-hmm. thing, like I said earlier, to have no expectation or very little. No, and no. What what? Go Sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was, I was just, I was going to say, like, my comment about like a lack of a robust mythos is in direct conflation, is in direct conflict rather with the uh, the whole Philip experiment. But maybe that's somehow correlated with how many people are involved. Mm-hmm. Like, the more people involved in something like this, the more bandwidth there is for a more in depth sort of fabrication yeah i i kind of fight that i'm kind of like well you know it's because it sounds very um what's the word it sounds too literal for me but it seems Mm -hmm. that in the past that idea has worked has helped has helped these things work a little bit better by keeping them Mm -hmm. one um more on an even keel because there's a lot of people there so you've got you know some strength there and two Maybe you're. Maybe there is strength in numbers, you know. Well, and, and you look at like you look at imaginary friends versus Slenderman, right? Imaginary yeah. friends have a mythos created by one person, and it's usually pretty small. Versus something like Slender, Slenderman, that's you know Slenderman. Hello, my name is John Slenderman. Yes, Spiderman, um, Slenderman, <laughs> Spiderman, just Spiderman. Um, uh, Slenderman, which is is sort of uh, is 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 has has taken on sort of a, a more global. Uh, toehold in, in terms of culture. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. I guess we, we, we should also consider the idea, uh, chaos magicians have had the idea of a servitor for, for some time as well. And I, I think that's where the popular idea of, of the way tulpas are, you know, you hear people talking about, oh, I'm forming a tulpa out of, you know, my little pony or something. And, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, this, the whole concept has become kind of, kind of cheesed out over time. But the idea of thought forms and tulpas and servitors, I think that's where, I think chaos magic really put the spin on it that you fuel these things and and you send them out to do your bidding or they, they're essentially a means to an end. Yeah. And that they also talk about having to, to take it apart or it can go feral. And so, so that, I, I think that, those ideas also sort of form the popular conception of the stuff that we're talking about as well. I didn't want to leave out. I think that was a very big development in, in, in this sort of thinking was when, when chaos magic pushed that concept of, of servitors very, very hard. Yeah. Good well, point. yeah, it's also designed to appeal to the, when do I get to smite people? <laughs> right. um, which I think is like the vast majority of, well, a very good majority of people that get into Western occultism and specifically stuff like the OTO and uh, chaos magic is they're, they're attracted by it because they think that it's going to give them a one up on people. And that has nothing to do with what the hell's going on there. What it is, is you're already, this is why Israel Regardi said, before you do any of this, go, Go through a heavy set of, um, of psychotherapy so you realize what your motivations are. Because if your motivations are go out of, to go out and smite, um, then there's something wrong with you. There, the, you, <laughs> you, you, you think that you think you've got the superhero view of, of uh, or the comic book view of uh, occultism, and I, to my mind, that has nothing to do with it. Um, well, and I know. think when they say something like servitor, it might be a convention to talk about something in a way that people might understand, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Crowley would always make the comment that it didn't matter why people got involved in magical practice to begin with. Like, even if they wanted to become a magician just so they could smite people or kill people with magic, because by the time... Right. But because (laughs) by the time they got to the point where they could actually do that, they would have enlightened themselves enough to know not to do that. Right, exactly. I mean, why? You, what the hell are you doing here if you had to go do that? And another thing is, what the hell are you yeah. doing here if you had to go do that? And then you had to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that there's an ego thing going on there, is there not? Which shouldn't be there if you're getting into this for the right reasons or whatever, the, for productive reasons. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's always going to be some ego involved. I mean, it's how we perceive the universe. Of course, of course. But it's, you but know, the- there's balance. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, this is a UFO show where we're talking about magic. It's not a UFO <laughs> show. It's a show about anything that, that, that my guests and I want to talk about. It always and because has. Obviously they're, they're, they're very connected, too, as well, I think. I mean, I don't think yeah. you can take one out of the other. I think they're just different ways of looking at a similar phenomena. Right, right. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Greg, do you remember from the from the early days when we were strapping young lads on on the internet? Uh, the guy <laughs> with with our dial up modems. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember the internet personality known as Blue Resonant Human? Yes, I do. Brother Blue. Yes. 
he deserves a lot more credit. He, he yes, he does. His, I went his, to his house his, once. You did? Oh my god! But he was not home. Oh. <laughs> what's funny? What's funny is he told me to come to his house when he lived in San Diego. I went to San Diego to visit him. I went to his house, and he's and his daughter or somebody answered. I guess he had a family, and. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, he's not here right now. And I can't remember what his name was. But yes, I remember that guy. I used to talk to him on the Devin. phone for hours. Devin. Yeah. I think his name was Devin. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. He he was the first, really, I, I think, to put a lot of the pieces together. Right. And he did so in a very funny way. I encourage anybody listening now, go look the guy Go look his stuff up. It's still, I think it's archived at the Gray Lodge or or something. Yeah, it's still on. If you look up um, yeah, Blue you, Resident you Human or Brother it. Blue, you can mm-hmm. find his stuff. Yeah, and I got the this very strong feeling from him, or maybe he told me that he was involved at least either with the military or as a military contractor. And mm-hmm. I think he okay. was because he lived near uh, Miramar Air Station um, uh, for a while, and that's where I went to his his house. I think in his driveway there was a sign on the door that said CIA parking only. <laughs> he really tweaked he really tweaked ufologists too i mean he he did not he he didn't suffer the eth nuts and bolts hardcore proponents no gladly at all I no. mean, he, he was a very funny guy and his his work was was so ahead of its time the stuff we're talking about now right he was talking about in 1994 yeah thanks so much for bringing that up yeah, you're you're welcome. I, I I love running into people that that know his stuff because they realize how big how big this guy was. Yeah, I didn't even realize. I just thought it was him and I talking and a couple other people I knew that knew who he was and that was about it. And then somehow I got his phone number and I talked to him for quite a bit. I just never met him. Uh huh. I came. I close, never met but, him either. Yeah. yeah, we 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 communicated a bit because we both had an interest in ma- the overlap of magic and UFOs and everything. But he was he was just so far ahead of the curve. And yeah, Steve I, just put I, something I thought, up on him. Thanks, Steve. Oh, cool. Yeah, he he also he was the first to really really push the lamb statement. Yep. And and mm-hmm. and Kenneth Grant and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. he was really he was really putting it out there. I think it was alt. Alien, alt. Oh, I can't remember the name of the of the news group. Alt Alien, something or other. Yeah. And and man, so so this stuff, it's it's funny. It's it it sort of flourished and then it went underground and, and it really seems to be bubbling up to the surface again. This well, this, I'm glad. This, yeah, it needs I'm to. really glad. I just saw something. I just got school. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw something a couple I days ago. I any of this, yeah. Really? I just saw something a couple days ago, and, and somebody said, I, I'm beginning to really think that a lot of this stuff comes from, the, comes from us and not from the UFOs. Like, yes! Yeah. This is starting, you know, and somebody did a, you know, there was a uh, blog post on it by someone who I can't remember now, but, you know, I read it and I go, God damn it, I said that two years ago. And then, you know, not me, you know, 50 other people said it 50 years ago, so... But it's 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 uh, that's not the point. The point is that this kind of stuff is spreading, and I think that's the. I don't know if it'll take over all of uh, paranormal research. I really don't. I kind of hope it doesn't. I just hope it gets really popular and people that know what they're doing work with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Stephanie asked um, anyone on the panel know about Bright Garlic's work on contacting aliens? No, I do not. I don't either. No. 
No. You guys? Well, I'm going to have to have Stephanie nope. come on then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, uh, she, if you can put a link up there, um, Steph, on the Roddy Mysterioso uh, Facebook page, that would be great. And, um, yeah, I think I, we... Uh, Who's was that, Josh? You said you were schooled. Yeah, I wasn't aware of uh, bright blue resonant. Resonant oh, was resonant I. Resonant human, yeah, brother yeah, blue. Was, yeah, brother yeah. blue. Yeah, that that is a that is a a gold mine of information. It's just like you know, I, I'm glad uh, Michael brought it up because I hadn't thought of him in years, and this is probably a good time to bring him back up again. I don't even know where he is. You know, I'd like to find out where he is. He kind of disappeared off the map, and then you know his phone number wasn't good anymore, and I don't know what. Oh, I know yeah, what my, happened. My... Uh, you know who introduced me to him was um, Richard um, Metzger from uh, Disinfo. Oh, he said, yeah, you guys uh-huh. would get along real well, and we started talking. <laughs> and I think that he got divorced, and he moved. He was like in a beach house in Pacific Beach in San Diego for a while, and I, I talked to him a couple times there, and then he kind of disappeared off the map. I, I think he he decided to give up this stuff that's that's the impression i got and i i read something he wrote that talked about taking large amounts of methamphetamine and (laughs) off in the woods and seeing soldiers coming through the woods it it was it was a little sad and disturbing And, and i if it was him this could have been someone else using his nom de nom de plume i i guess but but it was it was really disturbing. It made me worry that because when he stopped, he sent me a little bit of an enigmatic email when I tried to get in touch with him once, and it it it, it made me feel like he either got scared off or something happened, and he was just done with this whole subject. A bender exit, if you will. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh right, right. And, yeah. Well, he and, he, and we go ahead. I was just going to say we we've certainly you were talking earlier about things that happen when you when you start to lose your mooring when you're playing with the occult and as we know that that happens in Fortiana and ufology quite quite often too. Yeah, it happens and um uh smart people that want to keep their sanity leave it and go somewhere else and quit mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. maybe they quit and come back later. Crazy people mm-hmm. um keep sending out crazier and crazier emails and um, turning into people that somebody that nobody wants to be around anymore, unfortunately, and, and unfortunately for them because they they go off the rails, and that's mm-hmm. too bad. Um, which is why you know what Valet said about it. <laughs> yeah, some people <laughs> there's a danger there, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of us know what that danger might be, and maybe we go on ahead in spite of it. Um, mm-hmm. This is just one way of looking at a lot of this stuff, and I, I just think it's underrepresented and it's exciting to me, which is why mm-hmm. I wanted to have you guys on. Yeah, I've I've talked to other people and I've asked, are these kinds of experiments going on? Are people trying to manifest UFOs or lights or beings? And I've been told that, yes, it is it is happening. It's just kept pretty quiet. It should. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's also unfortunate a little bit, though, because if we're doing this. If it's kept quiet and then they publish their results, that's great. Yes. But if it's, you know, if it's just hidden knowledge for hidden knowledge's sake, then oh, no, I no. think yeah. that's unfortunate. Yeah. That's what I've been whining about for a little while. It's like people should do these things quietly mm-hmm. in small groups mm-hmm. 
and then mm-hmm. tell everybody what they did, whether it was successful or not, why they think it was successful or not. They don't even have to give their names. It probably is better if they don't. And share mm-hmm. that information. You didn't used to be able to do that so easily. Now it's easy as, you know, easy as having a, you know, everybody has an internet connection, at least in this country. It's not everybody, mm-hmm. but most people. It's so easy to communicate these findings right now. You just have to put the effort forward and be organized about it, which is, you know, that that's the hard, well, the hard part is doing it in the first place. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting to the point where you say, here is my research, I almost went nuts, um, or we almost went nuts, or one of, our, one of our members went off into the ether and we don't know where they went, but this is what we found out, and push that out into, you know, onto a, you know, maybe an anonymous website that somebody can start and say, look, this is what we found, try it, or you try whatever you're trying, and we'll see what results people are getting. Because if you're quiet about it, it's, it's not going to help anyone. And the flip side of that is, I think a lot of the stuff might be so individualized that it might not be useful to other people. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, in in describing what happened, you get another little piece of the puzzle, or you know, a, a section of the the painting, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, so let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, isn't that what uh, what Greer is doing with his? Uh ventures out in the deserts with people of course it is but his ego is so overblown and ridiculous that it completely ruins it yeah i've also heard of people who've been on those trips and and he's he's pointing out an airplane and saying it's it's anomalous yeah Mm. so so there's there's a some credulity there that uh with with i think him and with the people who are paying to be there with him as well i've been as well as you know yeah, I've been on a couple things, not not with Greer, but with, you know, Skywatch things or people trying to call things down. And yeah, they, they see satellites and airplanes and they get all excited. And I go, <laughs> no, that's an airplane. How can you be so sure? I say, it's got a red light on the left, on the, on the left side, a green light <laughs> on the right side for the direction it's going and a white and a red flashing light in the back. That's a plane. Mm-hmm. And they get pissed off at me. But then I'm, th- you know, I, I, I finish, I don't feel smug. I'm just like, I don't want to, you know, see another airplane and get everybody... But then I feel like, am I being so know-it-all and smug that I'm screwing it up for something that might actually happen? <laughs> and is it, you know, does it come down to, to uh, what's the word, to, like we were talking at the beginning, Soraya mentioned, does it come down to uh, your personal, you know, formation of reality as it's happening? Well, and I have the um, <clears throat> completely unvalidated suspicion that, that, there probably are a couple of Greer encounters that have involved something genuinely anomalous. Oh, probably. Um, but I feel like it's. Uh, but I feel like they're outliers that probably tend to reinforce the continuing narrative that he actually can do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's beginner's yeah. beginner's luck. As yeah. Well. Exactly. Yeah. He's he's asking people for money. He's heavily invested in it, monetarily and egotistically, and that I, to me that makes it virtually useless. Well, then I have a huge bias against Greer anyway. But um, I think yeah. in general a. a uh, uh, ego things have to be kept out of it because I think that introduces a bunch of noise. Yeah, I agree. Or at least kept out of it as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't keep it. <laughs> Go ahead. Isn't there isn't there a ranch somewhere in the in the northwest where where uh, people gather to see these things and use the use you know. Um, uh, those 
put those goggles, my mind is blanking. Uh, night vision. James Night Ga- vision goggles. The, the FLIR forward-looking infrared goggles. Those, those or something guys. like that. Um, uh, uh, yeah. James Gal- Galiland, I guess his name is. That sounds right. Yep, I think that's that's it. Yeah, there's. I, I've seen some some fairly impressive footage that 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 they've taped. Um, so, uh, my 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 question though is is that do we do we want to make lights move around in the sky? Is that what we want to see, or do we want to do something a little more personal? Yes, uh, more along the lines of Both. trying to get. You know, like a small group in a, you know, either in the woods or even indoors somewhere, trying to, to manifest something, or over the internet. It, you know, uh, just do it over, over Skype. Yeah. You can do it over mm-hmm. Skype. I, I bet a little bit. Um, in, yeah, in, in yeah. some way, you know, do it. Do a Skype seance. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can we can so, do that so, now. It doesn't. The distance, I don't think, matters at all. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe we need to look at spiritualism too as a model. Yeah, an obvious model. Uh huh spiritualism magic um but then are we are we really i i i mean i i would say you guys probably agree that no matter what we would contact that it's a manifestation of that other that underlies all this stuff or yes. maybe we're maybe i'm just making a really big uh leap you hope here. it is and, yeah no, no, you would hope that that's what you were contacting, that's what was going on, but the thing is that I don't really know how you could test it. You know, it gets to the point of, you know, what's, when you get to the, well, for anything, really, but especially with this weird stuff, you know, where does where does physical, actual reality end and what your consciousness formed it into begin? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's con- that, that boundary is constantly moving back and forth. In fact, the boundary may be pushing physicality off the map at this point for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's why I said I think reality in general is a feedback loop. I mean, we get what we give from it. And I, I don't think there's any I, – I don't know if there's def- any kind of empirical reality. I think there's stuff we share when we're sharing experiences, but our own reality may be very different from one another. Right. It's a yeah. It's a reality is a is a is a an agreement, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, and uh, uh, at least uh, daily reality. I mean, if you're a a, a fundamentalist uh, materialist type skeptic, you would say, well, if, you know, physical science has shown us that you can have something that's um, you can say whatever you want about it, but the the experimental evidence shows it the same every time. But what, how far does that experimental evidence go as far as being a an agreement of reality? Um, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just a very robust agreement of reality to the point where you know it's you, you've got everybody agreeing on it, so it's very robust. Whereas you only have two people agreeing on you know if Stephen Greer called uh, aliens down from 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 space, you know. So that, <laughs> well, that's very weak. You know, thinking of fiction, it's it's like the uh, the Star Wars universe versus the Last Starfighter universe. You know, the, the Star Wars universe has become this <laughs> giant. It's metastasized into this giant like <laughs> multimedia thing, whereas the last Starfighter is a very self-contained, you know, one or two, you know, uh, in, in this metaphor, one or two person sort of reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I did uh, z- zero preparation for this. I just wanted to rant and um, help you guys uh, have you guys rant along with me. So. 
That's what mm-hmm. we're doing. You're an enabler. That's what. It, that's what it's. That's your role today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they used to. You know, people used to ask. You know, what? What do you think? You're. You know, are you a ufologist? No. God damn it! Don't call me that. Um, you know. Well, what are you doing? I said. I think I'm cheerleading. Or you know maybe so, 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 enabling. So let me let me turn the tables here. Please do. As sort of a challenge, as sort of a challenge to you. Because I know that you think this is sort of the direction everything should take, and I definitely empathize and sympathize with that. Um, but what else? Like, if if for some reason this isn't going to be, if if for some reason this isn't the banner to be taken up moving forward into the next century, like, where does ufology go from here? If not this, many pronged. I think question. that's one of them. Uh, uh, well, anybody have a a, a stink they want to make about that? Yeah, I'll 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 try. I'll take a stab at it. Yeah. I, um, I think ufology has reached a point where it, it needs this kind of experimentation, or it's not going to go anywhere. Pending the the landing that's caught on three hundred cell phones in the middle of Times Square, crap idea, which is not going to happen. Oh no. This this intelligence, whatever it is, is playing with us, dragging us somewhere. And I think the only way we're ever going to move the ball ahead is to somehow learn how to interrogate it, to interact with it, to to, to, talk, to talk to it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on and yeah, to, to have a conversation with it. Otherwise, it. It's just going to keep stringing us along. Maybe, maybe doesn't want to talk to us. Maybe it's a, it's a failed concept for, for, from the beginning. But with you know, you look at Streber's experiences and the, the feedback that he gets. If if we if we look at that as genuine and valid, is it his? Where where he's having break breakthroughs, <laughs> I'm using all of his book titles tonight. <laughs> uh, where we have breakthroughs is where we attempt communication with it. Where he would go sit out in the by the rocks on his property and try to commune with it with this stuff. Yeah, I think that's where we see where it starts to talk back a little bit. Yeah, the uh, other point but, in that. Go ahead. I was going to say, but there's still a language barrier. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's why I think that the UFOs as an art project uh, thing is very important. That's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah, but I, love, I, I, I read yeah. that in your book, and it, it stuck in my head. It was like a light bulb going off. Like, that's beautiful. It's a great idea. And, it, and it's, it's, it's emblematic of the sort of thinking that we need, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's being presented to us as an art piece whereby you can't what art does or even poetry does is try to communicate something that cannot be communicated by language. What are UFOs doing? <laughs> They're trying to communicate something I think, maybe, that cannot be communicated by language, uh even though maybe 90 or 95% of that is that the that message is coming from us or our interpretation of whatever. Um, or maybe they're just a weird glitch in reality. <laughs> yeah, well, that might be too. And you've, <laughs> um, 
That would be if a you, bummer, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, well, the the other thing that Valet said in his in that in that little piece, which was information rich, was what would be interesting would would be to feed something into the system and see how it is fed back to you to gain a a clue as to what's going on what after the after that message leaves you and before it comes back how what you know what the, what happens to the information when it's uh, when it's sent out and before you receive it again somehow that's a tough one yeah yeah, yeah. You know, um, maybe that's something that uh, somebody ought to ask him. Do you have any ideas along these lines? <laughs> Sending out the message. What? How the hell do you send out a message to the phenomenon? Um, you know, my, my first idea is like, well, you send out a set of very strong beliefs about it that don't make any sense in light right. of what most people think. And then see if people start having that kind of experience somewhere or it changes something. But you really well, have to in, throw a huge wrench in there, I think, for anything to. <laughs> but yeah. in in a sense, isn't that what you see with like the Slender Man sightings? Yeah, we've we've created yes. something, sent it out there into the general public, and then suddenly people are like, "No, I've actually seen this thing." Yeah, well, that, you know, that gets to the point where you know I think there's a <laughs> there's a disturbance in reality, and it's not what everybody expects, and so that whatever you've heard that doesn't quite fit in might be the model that you're shoving it through the cookie cutter mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're going you know, out there looking for it and that comes to you. And as soon as it comes to you in any form, you go, okay, that's what it is. Cause that's what you were looking for. One, one place I've heard of people doing something similar is, and it was a while back. I don't, I don't know if they continued it and I can't remember the name of the people involved, but they were, they were going into the DMT space, mm-hmm. and I th- I think they ah. were trying to se- s- communicate something to the entities mathematically, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, it was a really interesting project, but it's very similar to what you're talking about. And it was an attempt to quantify a message sent and how it returned or if other people picked it up. I wish I could remember the details. Maybe somebody listening knows about uh, knows about that project. But but that's the closest I think I've ever heard is is going into that space with those entities and trying to bounce something off of them and seeing right, how it right. comes back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I and I think altered states play a large part in how we communicate with these things. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Or or we tune to a different frequency or um, maybe clear out the noise of this reality and replace it with some other one. I mean, that, that that's a really fascinating thing. <laughs> you know, our group is going to go do DMT or acid or whatever with the specific idea in mind, if, if we don't do too much and lose our egos, to <laughs> um, <laughs> change the conversation somehow. Um, that would be an interesting project too, but you can't go out and tell people everybody take acid. I mean, it has to be a bunch of you know, <laughs> grown up people that say, "Look, this is a thing that we did." 
Um, yeah. And if you want to do it, we have no, you know, you don't even know who we are. So it's just a story we wrote. Well, <laughs> and I would posit that I would posit that similar things have happened in a much less formal and much less public way. <laughs> that even if you were to tell everybody about them, they'd be like, oh, well, they were all taken acid. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know that's what? That's always the problem. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. I really don't care if somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. care if somebody well, says, "Well, they were all doing acid." Uh, We've got yeah, work but, to do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. Greg, Greg Bishop, the UFO buff, who has been looking into this, doesn't care. But John Q. Public, for whatever f- freaking reason, <laughs> does care. You know, unfortunately, screw no, them. Unfortunately. Screw them. I'm, well, I'm, exactly. I, I'm tired of of worrying about what the non-mutants think about our sort of research you know <laughs> well, I mean. well see, okay, so, so maybe it's because maybe it's because i'm still wet behind the ears comparatively speaking <laughs> like, I, I still i still would like to see some other people like be, get on board and be like yeah this does have something to do with reality and something to do with the way that we it, we perceive reality on an individual basis and i would like to see i would like to see a uh, public consensus saying, you know what, altered states have something to do with this. I know it's not going to happen, but I'm still just green enough in this to make sure to like to really want that to happen. Yeah, my <laughs> model Good luck is with that, Trash. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah, model is when it's when a group of scientists or anybody uh, in a in a uh, intellectual or whatever pursuit is pursuing that thing, I would almost guarantee you they can't explain it to almost anyone. However, if they have a decent result. They get to the point where I, they, they can get into a format where most people or at least some people can understand what they're talking about and maybe, rep, you know, maybe replicate it. And if it's really good, it gets dumbed down to the point where most people can understand it because it becomes revolutionary and everybody goes, oh, this is a new way of looking at things and I can experience it for myself. That's how I see it going if it's, a, if it's successful at some point. Um, and it may be where somebody has to do something where they get a completely individualized view of what it is and they can't really agree with everybody else about it. But they're, but the reality is confirmed to them. The reality of something that is not them that is, you know, communicating with them is confirmed individually to them. If you know what well, I mean. Right. Yeah. And, and we've been down this road before. That's with, especially with psychedelic research in the 50s, 60s, 70s. People were doing parapsychological research right. involving psychedelics and entheogens. It was it was done. It was science. It's and with the with the new sort of medicalization of of entheogens, maybe we could get that back again. Because when I talk when I interview researchers, the the, the people who are doing you know state government institutional sponsored psychedelic research today. When you talk to them behind the scenes or off the record, they would mm-hmm. love to see. They would love to see mm-hmm. some some experiments with psi phenomena done yes. while people are in is because they see the manifestations happen. Yeah, in the lab when they're doing it, but they can't talk about it yeah. because if psychedelics were the third rail, <laughs> parapsychology <laughs> mixed with psychedelics is is off the plane. Is you know completely. Un- impossible to consider right. and that's really unfortunate because we've been there before we we've done that we've done really interesting provocative research using psychedelics using altered states and and doing controlled parapsychological testing so we can get back to it i, I think i really hope we can 
I, I think it'll get there. I think people will be, you know, yeah. people are, huh, with the way things are right now, I think people trust themselves and their experience or whatever they believe more than they trust somebody telling them what, what is real, which is good in right. some ways. Yep. It's yep. good. It's yep. good for this kind of research. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're, if they're smart enough and, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, if they stick to, they stick to their guns and, 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 and follow, you know, stay the course, I think some amazing things can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say none of us here aren't doing some weird version of this at some point now. <laughs> so I am right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and when, I, and when you, it's it's go ahead, go ahead, sorry, go Soraya. Oh, and when, and when you talk about the DMT research, obviously Strassman, you know, was doing that and discovering the same stuff we're talking about. That hey, right. this is, seems to be connected into other stuff, and there seems to be an intelligence here. Yeah, and he went all new agey. What does that tell you? Yeah. yeah. It, it it tells me that what exactly what he was told was was real was not necessarily true, and he knew from personal experience because you know he dipped into the stuff he had to have, um, and all of this together made him think, oh well, I guess I don't really care what anybody else thinks because I would really like to know what's going on. That's a true you know explorer and scientist. They really want to know what's going yes. on and and find out what's going on and. They don't care what their peers think, mm-hmm. you know. So you know, and the peers that are interested will come to them quietly and say what's going on. And the other ones that are don't care about what other people think either, they'll come and help them out. So I think it's yeah. it just keeps going. I would you know at some point I'd like to interview Strassman and say you know what what's gone on, how far, how much further have you taken it, what else has happened, you know, um, and we'll see because he's he he went very new agey. If that's what some people would call it. I just think he had his his experience, and I hate the word consciousness, but he had his you know what he thought was real opened up quite a bit, mm-hmm. or could be real. Well, well, he he also moved away from the sort of Eastern view of things that he had, where he would you know was thinking, oh, DMT gets you closer to whatever you know uh, Eastern Eastern mystics are trying to get closer to, and and went the other way and said, you know, this actually seems more like what. Western religions talk about as meeting God, right? Yeah, well, there was that experiment yeah. in the you know at, at uh, Harvard and, and, with the and he, church. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say he, 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 I think his about the you're cutting out and uh, oh, sorry, sorry. How's that? Any oh, better? Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah his his most recent book is about about the Kabbalah and prophecy or something like that. No, so it's he, about it's about the visions in the Hebrew Bible. Yes, yes. So right. the ecstatic visions where people would suddenly find themselves essentially pulled out of their body talking to God, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. said that these things are very similar to DMT experiences and are right. likely androgynous. Or, um, endogenous. endogenous. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Endogenous, not androgynous. I like androgynous <laughs> DMT. It, it can be that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those machine man, they're, yeah. His take on it was that that was what was happening in the Old Testament is people were having these spontaneous DMT experiences and attributing, attributing it, understandably, to visions of God. Right, exactly. Yeah, the, it, the, it, go the, ahead. The problem with that is there's yet to be any evidence that 
our, our brains are flooded with DMT or, or you know, there's, there's this whole folk mythology now that, that, that DMT, you know, whenever something weird happens that it's because of endogenous DMT and there's, unfortunately there's, there's no real data to back that up that, that there's ever, that the, the DMT in our systems is ever concentrated to a point where, where we have, you know, some kind of vision like that. So that, that's my, that's my gripe with that. The same, the same as when people say, Oh, you know, near death experiences are simply DMT release in the brain. I'm like, you know, if you've right. ever, if you've right. ever had a DMT experience, it is absolutely the weirdest, most bizarre thing. And it's nothing at all like near what people report the phenomenology of near death experiences, period. Yeah. Nothing like it at all. I think to, it's me, individualized, to me, individualized too. Go ahead. We well, yeah, individualized, but at the same t- at the same sense, from what I've heard about from people, the DMT experience has a loss of ego that a lot of not all, obviously, but a lot of near death experiences don't have. Um, it's just astoundingly strange. It's nothing like the clarity that people report with a near death experience. The phenomenology is completely, absolutely different. So it makes absolutely no sense. That, that someone would link it. If you've ever had a DMT experience and someone tells you about their near-death experience, say, no, hell, that's nothing like it. There weren't these crazy geometric chrysanthemums with little, you know, robots with with glass, with a hundred glass eyes rolling out of it. <laughs> right. And right. surrounding me and poking me with, with needles. It's, right, it's, exactly. diff- it's, it's so different. Yeah. No, and it, it well, what is, I, go ahead. What I wonder when it comes to like spontaneous DMT uh, releases in the body is if they could be caused environmentally. So like, you know, we know that we have things like earthquake lights. You know, pressure builds up in the earth. They seem to re- release these things that are mistaken as UFOs that are just earthquake lights or earth lights or whatever. What if that same pressure that same thing that's causing the earthquake lights has an effect on us that releases dmt into our system so then someone's standing there they see a light and at the same time they're having a dmt release into their system and then have an entire experience that because they're now opened up to that frequency and the light becomes a part of it my my problem with that is psychopharmacological and because if you ingest an amount of DMT that becomes psychoactive. It is incredibly weird and bizarre. There's not like a threshold dose that someone can give you where you might just see a light floating around. No, no. It's it's either. Yeah, it's either. But that's the thing. When DMT is in your circulating in your system, crossing the blood brain barrier in your brain, it's, it's, incredibly yeah. weird it's just weird terence you're, mckenna said if you can be astonished to death by the by this stuff it, no, what, and go ahead i'm sorry sorry what, what i'm saying is not that they're seeing the light because of a dmt release they're seeing a light that's actually there and the same energy that is creating the light is also affecting us on a physical level and maybe it won't be dmt but something mm-hmm. else that causes us to enter an altered state Sure, absolutely. I think what Michael's I think what Michael's getting at is either you're in Victorian England or you're down the rabbit hole. You don't see the white rabbit running through Victorian England to the rabbit right. hole. Oh yeah, right? sure. 
Um, which but look how weird UFO big, yeah. experiences are. Yeah, is that true, because yeah true. is that because you're running into some sort of strange field of uh, electromagnetic noise, <laughs> or is it because there's some external thing that is visiting us that has a, yeah. a something that appears to be a structured craft, or is it some you know combination of that, or do they you know whatever it is throw electromagnetic noise at you that makes you think that there or you know well, who knows? And and just what I was saying, I think what he's saying is that, like you are in reality, you see something. Uh, an external object or light that imposes something upon you where in you experience, you, you do go down the rabbit hole. And then once you're in the quote unquote in the craft to use, you know, popular ufological terms, then you are down the rabbit hole. But there's, you know, there's perhaps that, uh, that threshold in between of something like actually influencing you to, to be transported to that altered state. I think that the DMT thing is a lot. That's the frustrating thing, right? It's, it's a lot more useful of an explanation or an incorporation for things like the abduction experience versus things like structured craft sightings or landed craft sightings, because they have landed craft sightings and structured craft sightings have enough of the mundane world around them that you're obviously not in a completely fully altered state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, my, my gripe is, is not with the idea that an energy can trigger something in our bodies that could change our perception. It's the focus on DMT itself. Right. Because the phenomenology of DMT is just is is just absolutely bizarre, indescribably weird, and it doesn't have the same sort of qualities that even a strain, even someone being taken on board a craft in a typical abduction, the craft is not swarming with multicolored shapes and lights and things like that. And that's what you get when you have DMT at a mm. psychoactive level in your body. Well, now, something yeah. along the lines of ketamine, if there's a, if there's a ketamine analog, that's a little more, that's a little more close, I think. And people, people have hypothesized a ketamine like uh, antagonist, as as a possibility for near death experiences, I think that's a little more uh, a little more worth worthwhile of investigation. But DMT, because people see entities on DMT, it's a convenient it's a convenient lens to to look at all these other experiences, and it's probably very useful yeah. for that reason. But it, but the substance itself, uh, whether it's an ayahuasca or smoked DMT, is 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 not going to generate. The classic, taken aboard a structured craft, probed and poked and you know, no. and lowered back down to your body. Well, I think the idea is that at least the idea I like to, even when I first read Strassman's first book, The Spirit Molecule, um, that it is like and can inform, not that it is, yes. because yes. that's a that's a correlation causation thing that I think we shouldn't step mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's 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 a good analog to try and figure something out, like looking at mm-hmm. a like like astrology. You know, you, you, I don't think stars affect how we do things. What I do think is that there are patterns in the universe that correspond with patterns in how people live their lives, and that sometimes mm-hmm. they they match up because you know the human psyche is fairly well. Um, it's it's it goes along certain pathways, so. You've got two patterns that match each other occasionally, and that's what I think is going on with the DMT or you know ayahuasca mm-hmm. or whatever you want that mm-hmm. and connecting it to the UFO or anomalous experience. Mm-hmm. 
you know, also I, possibly that that whatever intelligence can use the DMT state to 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 present itself. Yeah, the sure, same sure. intelligence that could show up as a you know a specter or a craft in the sky, and that it makes absolutely perfect sense that if 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 it appeared through a very psychedelic, bizarre state that it's going to look psychedelic and bizarre, uh, but, but that doesn't mean it's not the same. It's not the same thing poking its head there where it can poke its head in other ways Yeah, into our reality. Right. Oh, great. Those are coming out on <laughs> the, the emoticon. I mean, the messages come out uh, through the uh, audio. Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, there's your sirens. <laughs> nice. There you go. Even though I don't like, I, like, like I told you guys, I live in Baltimore. So when I don't hear sirens, is when I I start to worry. Yeah, you get you wonder what the hell is going. <laughs> what what happened? What right. Uh, yeah right. It's Why like why aren't there any sirens? Yeah, like uh, are all the police dead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or that my cousin. It's the Carrington that, event. Uh. Yeah. Like the uh, that scene in my cousin Vinny where he's in the hotel and he can't sleep because it's no, there's no noise and he gets thrown in jail and everybody there's a riot going on and he sleeps fine because he lives in New York. <laughs> what a great movie! <laughs> Utes, Utes, yeah. What exactly is a Ute? Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to keep? Go- I know Michael wants to go watch the uh, the re- the uh, the ongoing uh, um, AL- ALDS, right? I, I have to watch the Orioles, who uh, I, I just took a peek. I didn't. They are now two to one against Toronto for the American League wild, divisional wild card. Ah, so, what inning? So it is in the fourth, bottom of the fourth. Yeah, inning, so. all kinds yeah, of stuff can still, happen. Still got some time. Yeah. If you know, I I, I want to say, guys, uh, this this has been a fantastic conversation, and and Greg, thank you for hosting. Thank you for having me on board. This is the kind of stuff I could I could talk about till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, me too. And we could with, go for five uh, hours. Yeah, yeah, and I I can't think of a better crew than than the, <laughs> the, the crew that you've got here. Well, and I would like to pitch a Michael Hughes Radio Mysterioso one on one because I would love to hear that. Okay, you, we'll you set it Gordon up. White. Yeah, that, no, I mean, oh. Mike, Mike and oh, Mike, Mike. Ready one on one. So, yeah. Yes, yes, okay. Uh, anytime, anytime. Um, and, and I'm. I want to also say that I am doing the, a, a keynote talk for a tarot convention in Florida huh? on Saturday. So if you guys <laughs> don't hear from me again, yeah, I, I have a, I have a un, unfortunate feeling that I might be spending a lot of time in airports uh, Friday morning. <laughs> Where is the talk? It's in Palm. Where's the talk? Palm Palm Beach Gardens, and and uh, it's near where the PGA is played or something. I'm, I've never been to that. Okay, place. I think my sister in law is there. So if you oh. if you really get stranded, you can always bunk with them. <laughs> does, she, does she have a beard? Does she have a beard like you? Because that's how I would recognize her. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Very much so. Uh, but I, I so if you know if. Uh, I I hope this isn't my last podcast appearance ever. <laughs> I'm I'm knocking on wood that that's not the case, but it, it's it's really been awesome, Greg. Thank you. Uh, I I love the last conversation we had on where the road go. I was really looking forward to this. I'm glad we managed to all get together 
and one time and one cyberspace. Yes. And man, let's 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 please do it again. I would also like to say if anybody's listening and they're doing that kind of uh, contact work that we're talking about, trying to make this stuff happen, let us know. Let's. I really would love to engage with more people on that topic because I've been thinking about it. Yeah, for years, and I, I, I really do think that's where ufology needs to go. Is let's let's make these guys show up, yeah, and exactly. then let's ask them what the hell they're they're here for. <laughs> if we can, I hope they don't just laugh at us. <laughs> right. Yeah, if we can, I don't know if it'll be a question and answer thing. I think it'll be more like, uh, "Geez, what just happened there?" And then about two or three weeks later, or a year later, you go, "Oh." Oh, I see what happened there. <laughs> It'll be yeah, a very the, delayed, the right. yeah, very yeah, delayed, or, or, we'll, or we'll all be in straight jackets. Yes, exactly. Uh, for, for drawing, but hell, <laughs> might as well try. All right, guys. Well, great conversation. Thank you so much, and I, I look forward to our next uh, next discussion. All right, Mike. I Thank will you, con- Mike. I will contact you about being on the show, and we'll talk, we'll explore other things. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. All right. Okay, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. So I you, love it when people go from different parts of my life get together. It's so so nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you um you, you bugged us to to get together. I mean, it was, uh, the last time I – I don't even know what – how was I on – where did the road go? Did somebody just say, Greg, can you come on we, at the last minute? I can't we remember. We were talking about Tom DeLong. Yeah. Oh, and, that uh, was it. Yeah. Mike. Mike. Mike actually wanted to do a show on it, and I said, well, if we're going to do a show on it, we should bring Greg on. Right, yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if DeLong, well, he probably didn't even listen to it, but I wonder, you know, if because I've I said certain things on Coast to Coast when I was on, and uh, Knapp asked me about it. I just said, he better mm-hmm. watch it that he's not being used, and, that, uh, and he goes, no, no, he doesn't think that. It's like, well, of course he doesn't think that. <laughs> You know, but privately he if better he thought that he would be keeping his mouth shut about it. Yeah. So exactly. If, if you know, I, I said, I think it's exciting what's going on with him, but that he should really take everything with a huge grain of salt and yeah. step back from him and be non, non emotionally attached if possible, which is, I think the answer to a lot of this stuff, or at least an attitude, a lot of it before. So you don't either sound like a, a nut, um, annoy everybody else or become an asshole is just by keeping yourself a little bit emotionally detached from it. Well, it's probably good for everything, but especially this junk. Yes. And it is good for everything, because people get very very emotional about stuff, and then they stop thinking rationally or clearly. They just get so devoted to what they want to believe. Yeah. Well, that's how you get, you know, that's how the loudest person in the room controls the room, because everybody just wants to calm them down, and everybody's in this panic mode. So what yeah. gets you out of the panic mode is is calming down the crazy person, and the crazy person the, invariably the, the, knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, the the social fetal position. Yes, <laughs> that's right. You t- you mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah, Josh. So yeah, that's I, a nice way of describing it. Yeah. So that's you know I, I think that the an ego thing is really really important to pound down and have not be part of the conversation. Um, in, in, or a part of the uh, what's the word in the in the mix when you're talking about uh, doing research or opining on uh, weird stuff, because it's really yeah. easy to form it into something where you're the important person. It it it's a matter of learning how to self check. Yeah, 
you know, and realize why am I thinking this and just kind of knock all those uh, original beliefs back down and see if they still stand back up on their own. Yeah, exactly. Which is really see, hard to do. For me, the well, and for uh oh, you cut out. Thing that I'm doing right now is oh, sorry. What? Hey, hi, hello, hello. There you hi. are. Um, okay. For, for me, Soraya's like, hi. What are you talking about? For me, the more difficult thing is is questioning yourself to no end and finding someone who who articulates a lot of things that you want to have articulated, and then not just going with it or whatever they say. That's what, sort of what I'm going through right now. Um, I think Soraya's probably keen on, on on what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. But have you ever incur- encountered something like that, uh, Greg? Where like you've you've been so you've had such a sense of agnosticism for so long, and someone comes along and articulates that, but also like steps up the game in terms of being like, not only should you not believe the status quo, but this is what I believe, and this is what not necessarily what you should believe, but look at how parsimonious my 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 uh, my, my worldview is like have you ever encountered that and like tried to wrestle with that and wrestle that away because i don't want to be that person but i feel myself slipping into that and it terrifies me oh i yeah i do it all the time i gotta watch it with you know i gotta watch it with um what with valet probably because i Mm. i I try to be critical about what some of the things that he says but i think what it is is just i'm excited by the things i'm excited by and the other stuff i if it's not exciting to me i just ignore it that's my way of that's my check i guess I don't go, whoa, that's bullshit. I just go, well, that's not important. I, I, I think that one of the warning signs is anytime you find yourself agreeing 100% with somebody, there's probably something wrong with what's going on. Uh, because everyone like, has yeah. a different different yeah. view of reality, and you're never going to agree with someone 100% unless you're just being a psychophant. Yeah. 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 And I always find um, that funny with, with politics, is someone might say, you know, Oh, well, I agree completely with this person. And it's like, really? Well, completely? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what it is really is it's, I mean, like, in my, again, coming back to my personal experience, Please you find do. someone who has, ex- who has explained the broad strokes so, again, with such efficiency that you tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Yeah, I think um, I heard most of that. Yeah, well, the thing is, you, you can agree with everything somebody says, but the thing is, you haven't heard everything they've ever said. You could say, I agree with everything you're saying right now or everything you've said that I've heard. You know, eventually, if you go and hang out with them, you might find something you don't agree with, which which is fine. Right. But the thing is, you know, I don't really worry about agreeing with somebody totally. If I agree with them totally, that's fine. Maybe I can talk and we can we can get some work done and and find out where we don't agree. And maybe the you know, the 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 point of disagreement might be something that I have to examine. Um, But if we don't find anything we disagree with on, then. We just go ahead. Yeah, because if I agree with somebody that much, I want to talk to them personally, which is partly why I have a show. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Because I want to find out where we might not agree, and, you know, I don't specifically yes. make questions to be antagonistic about somebody, but uh, in the course of conversation, I might some have, you know, some disagreement. Um, Ren Collier was on my show uh, a couple weeks ago. I haven't posted it yet. And we got to a point where he said that um, everybody can do anything. And I said, I don't think that's simplifying it. But he said that with enough work and thought and every everything, anybody can do pretty much anything they want to do. And I said, I don't think that's true. And no, it's not. And I mean, I, and it's, it's not being elitist. It's not being an asshole. It's not being, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's 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 just like, some people can't do certain things. 
Yeah. I, you know, I, right. I mean, you know, there, there's yeah, a lot of yeah. things I can't do, so I just don't attempt. So, well, if you attempted them, you could. It's like I might, but I'd be really, really frustrated, and I'd suck at. It. You, you look at high, you look at high level, high functioning musicians, and there are some musicians who are like the two or three people in the world who can do this one thing. But right. even more specific than that, like contortionists who are born with certain, you know, yeah. certain yeah. Uh, certain double jointed aspects. Yeah, they can't. I think he was talking. I think he was talking about mental things. Where like you intellectually, know, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I got that. But, and I, um, I, I don't want to. I, I know for myself, there's certain things that I can't figure out. How no matter how hard I think, you know, I can read somebody's book, you know, a book by a brilliant scientist a hundred times, but I'm not going to understand it. You, no matter how hard I try, because I just don't have the background and the and the and I don't think I have the intellectual wherewithal to to get my mind around certain concepts. Well, you know, you know brain, conversation. Go ahead, sorry, sorry, sorry. Our brains all work a little bit differently. That's why right. some people can look at a math problem and have it solved in a, a split second, whereas other people are going, "What's going on here?" Yeah. And it's not a matter of one person being smart and the other person being stupid. It's a, it's a matter of our brains function at different levels and they function at different things. I would say that there's probably no matter how bad someone seems at stuff, there's probably something that everyone is really good at. And if they if they can't name that thing, it's probably just because they haven't found it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, no. Well, this ties actually this ties literally into the exact question that I was going to ask, which is I remember getting into journalism school, and uh, one of the professors saying that everyone is an expert in something. Yeah. And my first knee jerk reaction was like, no, there are some people who just sit around and don't care about anything, and they just follow popular culture, and they're not an expert in anything. But then, like, you've got to take a step back and say, well. They're probably an expert in some sort of niche of that popular culture that I'm not, you know, or they're an expert in something they've never applied themselves to because they're so just <laughs> caught up in popular culture. <laughs> right, right. Like you talk, I've talked to them, yeah, but they can't do anything. They can do the thing that they're good at that they haven't found out yet. Right. And right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you apply yourself to something, even if you suck at it, eventually you'll at least become average at it. <laughs> exactly. You know, work That's hard true. enough, but you're never going to be brilliant at it. You know, I mean, some people have a knack for uh, photography, and you can sit there and you can learn photography all you want, but if you don't have that eye for it, you're never going to be a great photographer. You may be a quality, solid, average photographer, but you're never going to be a great photographer because it's well, not your it's, knack. Yeah, it's it's art versus craft, right? And you, yeah. Uh, and um, it reminds me of sometimes every now and then I have conversations with my musician friends who are like, you know, I wonder if there's something that I'm really good at that's super mundane. Like I'm like the world champion, uh, you know, uh, cherry stem tire with my tongue. Like, <laughs> like there's something like insurance adjuster or something completely non-applicable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I do think there's something something in everyone that's like, you know, you could be naturally good at this. But uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, we've been uh, almost an hour and a half. Do you guys want to keep going, or do you need to? Uh, I probably need to go and make dinner. I'm fine either way. Okay, I'm I'm fine either way too. Yeah, the thing is that I want to post this almost immediately, and unfortunately, almost ahead of um of uh, uh, Josh's interview. Uh, sorry, that's mm. fine. <laughs> um, but oh, uh, I noticed that uh, Tim put up a something on coast to coast for uh brimstone deceit which is wonderful i hope oh I thanks yeah he uh he reached out today and we had a, a brief conversation about it and um i'm i'm very happy with some of the feedback i'm getting okay good great even though some of it is about farts 
oh yeah, that was, that was bound to happen. You know, <laughs> like this is oh, yeah. It's like well, that's you know, it's, it's Facebook comments and YouTube comments are the reason that we can't have nice things, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was gonna it was gonna, the it was gonna turn to parts we, eventually. Yeah. You know? I think the internet is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. Oh, but, uh, I, thank you, th- thank you for the mention, Greg. I really appreciate it. Sure. So right, I, I did have a uh, a, a uh, poltergeist last time I talked to Joshua. Please, what what happened? That's, uh, there's some truth in that. Yeah. There, there, there's one step more that you didn't know about Josh that I found out afterwards. Oh no no no. So uh, it's it started off about an hour before we were going to do our interview on Friday, and uh, I walked out through our entranceway, which is kind of a mix of like bookshelves and entranceway stuff and a cupboard, and there's this heavy metal tomato grinder, cast iron thing, sitting on a high shelf, and it just fell off the shelf. There was no possible way it could have done it. The floor doesn't shake when you walk through there or anything, and it just slammed into the floor, and I was like, well, what is that? You know, like, how did that even happen? A moment later, the stereo in my room that was set to satellite radio and muted suddenly started cranking ACDC at a very high volume. And so I stopped and I went, didn't I mute that? And I went back in and sure enough, it was crank. It was the door was shut. When I opened the door, I'm like, oh, my God, that's loud. And I went over and I turned it down and I muted it again. And I walked out of the room and I didn't get past the entranceway before it unmuted itself again. Yeah. So I came back and I muted it again and it stayed muted. And I started talking to Josh and without touching anything, my microphone turned itself off. So suddenly Josh starts going, are you there? And I'm going, yeah, I'm still here. Why are you? And he can't hear me. So I take the microphone out of its sleeve to turn it off and turn it back on again. And it's the switch is in the off position. A little while later, we go to talk with everyone where we did our demonic uh, roundtable. Right. Same thing happens. The switch just turns itself off. Physically off. Physically off, yes. And it's under a plastic piece, so I can't even, even if I wanted to, I couldn't accidentally hit it. Why doesn't all this exciting shit happen to me? (laughs) Because you want it to happen here. (laughs) Yeah. And and this, this was the topper of the whole thing. The next day... I go to. I have a small CD case that I take to the radio to the last exit for the lost with me with some current stuff that I really like, and it takes full sized um, jewel cases and stuff. And it has been sitting. There, I hardly ever touch it during the week, and it's sitting there next to a cabinet behind me. And I pick it up and I start to walk, and CDs go everywhere because it's unzipped. And it literally would have been impossible for me to put it down there unzipped because all the CDs would have fallen out. Hmm. So it literally was unzipped on the floor, and I didn't notice until the next day when I picked it up. Like I said, I wish, and none of this weird stuff happens to me. I feel so cheated. Maybe I should do shows on demonic possession. (laughs) Maybe. It would have made more sense with that if it happened after the show on demonic possession, but instead it happened before. (laughs) But it was preloaded, you know? You were preloading everything, you know? (laughs) Expectation and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so both. That was for, interesting. Go ahead. I, if we want to keep going a little bit, that's fine. I was going to say thank you both for being on the uh, on the show. It was. Uh, I talked about all the stuff I wanted to talk about, and I probably talked too much. So I, I thank you for that. <laughs> no, this is it's a pleasure as always, Greg. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's been way too long. It's been like forty eight hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, you guys. I, I will uh, talk to you both soon. And uh, since um, Josh was on the other day, uh, it's Soraya's turn to pick the outro music. And I'll just I'll oh. just look it up on YouTube. Uh, sure. Um, play some One Eyed Doll. Okay. Never heard of him. Hang on. Let me let me give you a song. Let's see what the, what you can find easily on. Well, we've got Committed, Live, Be My Friend, Nudie Bar, Witches. Nudie Bar! Uh, Nudie no, 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 no. Oh. Do, 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 do Be My Friend. Okay. Either that or Envy. Those are, those are the two. Envy is a very dark, uh, moody song, and Be My Friend is very funny. I, I, I think but in I'll, a dark, demented way. Okay, well, maybe I'll stick with funny. Uh, the dark, demented so funny is right up friend. my alley, so. There you go. <laughs> All right, you guys. Um, thanks so much. If you, I think I can play this while... Nah, it might not let you hear it while... No, there it is. Well, I'll turn it on. You can't hear that at all. No. Okay. Um, you'll hear it when I post it. So uh, wh- uh, what I'll do is I will um, uh, equalize this and probably post it tonight since it's called a pop-up and I want to I stick to my pop-up, my pop-up uh, uh, rules. So, all right. All right. Okay. I'll talk to you both very soon. And thanks so much again. And this was a, a hell of a conversation. And, um, you know, uh, if we keep talking like this and doing stuff in the background and telling people and cheerleading, stuff's going to happen and we're going to hear about it. I just know it. So thanks. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Pop up Mysterioso. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. All right. See you guys. Bye. Take care. Bye. There's a girl across the street from me. I buried her son beneath that tree. I don't know why she's mad at me. He was sticking up my garage, you see. I met a cute boy. He liked my smile. We fell in love for us.